Hi, everybody. Welcome to our co-president podcast. My name is Rosa. I'm your incoming co-president for Equality and Liberation. And I'm going to ask Yasmin to just tell us who you are, your role. Hi, everyone. Thank you, Rosa. My role is co-president for Welfare and Campaigns, and I'm really excited. I'm biased, obviously, but I think my role is really interesting. And I think that it might not seem obvious at first, but welfare and campaigns really do go hand in hand. And I think especially this year, that is becoming more and more clear because if we are organizing on campus and if we're campaigning for things that ultimately we organize and fight for because we want the world to be a better, more caring place, then welfare has to be centered in that work. So I'm really excited. And I think that this year, there is some amazing potential and opportunities to really reimagine what organizing and campaigning on campus should look like, and really center welfare and community support in everything that we do, especially so that the most marginalized and the most oppressed in society and also on our campus, unfortunately, can feel a little bit safer and a bit more centered this year. Cool. Thank you so much for that. Now I'm going to ask Sabrina to introduce herself. Tell us who you are, what you what you think your role means, what you understand it to be. Hi, Rosa. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for starting this up. So I'm Sabrina. I'm your co-president for Democracy and Education, taking over from the incredible Maxine last year. And I feel like despite having probably like the most institutionalized role in terms of like the nitty gritty. So especially around kind of mitigating circumstances, academic affairs, things like that. I think it's really powerful about my role is that democracy could kind of mean anything. And something that we've all kind of discussed as a team is that liberation can only happen like when education is kind of free and decolonized and democracy is the same and like all of our roles intersect really nicely so we can all work together as a team on issues of democracy and education as well as liberation and welfare and campaigns and things like that and if we're not centering like liberation and welfare and all these things in our approach to democracy and to education to all these other things in making SOAS more accessible and safe for everyone then we're not doing it right Yeah, I'm very lucky and I feel very privileged to be in my position. We all know what this role dictates and demands. And I think for me, just ensuring that students feel that we're as accessible as possible to them and for whatever they need, especially given COVID and assessments and kind of digital poverty, which is something that we really need to address this year. I think as long as we're as representative and as accessible as possible to our student body, then that's the most important thing. So yeah, I'm really passionate about that in my role, president of Democracy and Educations. Wow. Thank you for such inspiring words, Sabrina. The people sure love to hear it. Hassan, can you please introduce yourself? Thank you, Rosa, for saving the best for last. So I'm Hassan, the co-president for activities and events. And my role has historically been seen as the fun role because I'm the one that would be planning all the late licenses and all the parties. Now, unfortunately, Miss Rona came along, which means no parties, at least for term one anyway. So really my role right now is sort of responding to the needs of the students and the student community and what do you need to sort of get through this next year, especially considering we've just had six months of 
I wouldn't say a full lockdown, but a lockdown essentially. And all our mental health states are at varying levels, but I think a consensus can be drawn that it's not the best situation when it comes to our mental health at the moment. So what can I do in my role to sort of lift you, boost you up and really focus on your well-being? So that's my sort of, that's how I see my role existing this year. Like what can I do to create space and facilitate the spaces that are necessary to sort of bring you back up and lift you back up? So I'm really looking forward to working with everyone, the fellow SABs, the societies, the sports clubs, to really ensure that our events and activities reflect the needs and the demands of the larger student body. So I'm going to pass it back to Rosa. Cute, cute. Thank you so much for telling us all of that. I'm going to also answer the question since I haven't yet. Um, so I'm co-president of Equality and Liberation. And to be completely honest, I'm sure a lot of people have no idea what that means. And I'm not quite sure I fully understand yet what that means. I think the most important thing that I do is facilitate, I mean, liberation work and facilitate equality for all. In a day-to-day, it means that I'm here to represent the most marginalized students and make sure they have a voice everywhere and that they're well represented and that they're supported through the issues they face within the institution and outside the institution. So, you know, systematic racism, institutional racism, homophobia, transphobia, ableism, sexism, all of that. And so I think what makes my role good and I think what makes it a good opportunity for me to get to do things for the students is that I'm kind of like a jack of all trades in the sense that I don't have a specific remit compared to the others even though we all don't have specific like specific things that we have to do it very much depends on the person and what they want to do with this role and achieve I'm in a position where because these lines are blurred I'm able to kind of insert myself everywhere and make sure that the most marginalized are centered in everything we do and also we're here as well to like offer support especially me and Yasmin to allow students if you need to just talk to come talk to us if you need support with issues you're facing with professors staff anybody in the school then you know that you can come to us if we can't do it for you we'll figure out who to send you to and allow and facilitate those things so that you're able to get the support you need so not only are we here to uh, represent students and work for students we're also here to support y'all especially in these times and even though we're not on campus and you can't just walk into our office like I feel like you can still just email us and we'll answer and we're more than happy to take time out of the day to just have a chat with you. Okay, now on to our second question. We've been in post for a little over a month now. I want everybody to give me one word to describe this time and then to give a, give me a brief explanation. I'm going to go first since I went last <laughs> and I'm going to say hectic. It's been really, really hectic. For incoming students who may not know, we've been going through yet another restructuring. It's been hard to get things done because we don't don't, we're we're just as confused as you guys are with regards to COVID, with regards to the situation of the school, and we're just trying to do our best to not drown in all of this. We've been able to achieve things, and we're just slowly getting acclimated to our role, but I would definitely say the word for me is hectic. Now I'm going to pick on Sabrina to go next. So I'm literally sitting here like, okay, I have three words. Because you said hectic, I'm not going to say chaotic which was one of my words, I want to say raw. And I think that's because especially with coronavirus and with the need to adapt so quickly, which is already like part of being a sab, right? 
one thing can come up and completely change your outlook for the next few months and your priorities. But I think, especially with coronavirus and needing our students to be safe and supported both online, which is how a lot of teaching and a lot of student engagement and university activities are going to be conducted until at least term two, and also outside of the classroom and all this kind of stuff, it's super raw and super personal because and this is this can be said even before coronavirus, but has been exacerbated, I think, that the needs of students isn't necessarily loads of big like demonstrations and protests, direct action. And like that's a debate in itself, right? Whether that's accessible for all students and whether that's safe for all students. But I think it's a matter of getting through this year, ensuring that students have as much access and safety on and off campus as possible, whether that's in the classroom or within social spaces, and ensuring that kind of our basic necessities are more needed now than ever, I think. And as a student union, like that demand has to be recognised. So I think, yeah, raw, because it's just, especially the climate we're in now, it's stripped back. Because like organising is a privilege, right? And all this campaigning and all like having good welfare and well-being is a privilege for a lot of people. So I think raw because we've been so stripped back and like our demands for basic necessities is so prevalent now. So yeah, these meetings are kind of raw too. Like sitting in big management meetings is scary and raw also, but obviously doesn't even come close to the kind of experiences that our students and our like our colleagues are going through. So yeah. Great. Thank you so much for that, Sabrina. I think there's full truth in what you just said. And I think definitely this year is going to be guided more about us doing our best to uh, make sure students are represented and are safe and are healthy and are able to study properly. So yeah, thank you for that. Next, I'm going to pick on Hassan. So it's similar to the words you had. And so my word is uncertainty, just because like when we start, when we came into the role, like when we were doing the election period, it was before I think we all realized just how bad the situation would be. Like this is before we had a lockdown. And so we all obviously like came into it, the election with our manifesto, like pre-COVID. And so now we've had to like completely, like not completely change, but just adapt all our policy and manifesto points into this new like virtual world that we find ourselves in. This has to be sort of like a balancing act between fulfilling what you set out to do and also what students are expecting, but then also having to manage expectations because of this new reality that we find ourselves in. It's quite, you can very easily be like pushed and pulled into different directions, like depending on different demands from different groups. And so because of that, there's uncertainty in terms of what will the next few weeks look like? What will the next month, two months, next term look like? And we're starting to get some more certainty now in terms of, okay, this is direction that we have to go in because this is our reality. Although it's really, it's really tempting to want to sort of backtrack, go a different route because you want to be active to like this particular group's needs and you want to respond quickly to this group. We have to sort of like toe like a very straight line and be adaptable where we can. So I think. Yeah, it's it's uncertain, but we're trying to bring some certainty into it, particularly, for example, like me working with our clubs and societies, just setting out exactly what we can, what we can we not do, writing some guidance and procedures. Because at the end of the day, we're still in a pandemic and 
I think as much as we all sort of want to carry on as normal, even I would ideally want to carry on as normal, but obviously that's not possible. So again, it's just like putting this like myriad of like competing sort of paths to the future and sort of marrying it all into like one and saying this is the final route. I think that's what I've been like working most hard on in like the last week or two. Again, just to sort of combat the level of uncertainty that currently exists, not just in the SU, not just in SOAS, but the entire university sector. And honestly, the entire world, the entire world is uncertain. So it's quite a daunting like prospect, but I think it can be done. We just need to take our time. Thank you for that, Hassan. Uh, Yasmin, on to you now. I'm going to choose grounded. And I think that although I really agree with all the words that you guys chose and have definitely been experiencing, you know, the uncertainty, the the change, the, the hecticness and the really raw experience of I think it's a really liminal position being a sabbatical officer because like, yes, we've just graduated, but I really feel like I'm still a student. And the reason why I've found this past couple of weeks to be really grounding is because there's a certain clarity that comes with all the chaos that is happening in the world right now. And I feel like it's been easy a little bit to figure out really what are my priorities and to kind of think materially how like it make it makes it clear what the issues were before as well so like when it comes to like organizing and i totally agree with what sabrina said about it being a privilege and for you to be able to access the spaces in the education and to feel empowered enough to actually take action when something bothers you that is such a massive privilege but it's also this like kind of clarity and um and groundedness that you experience when you realize like how fleeting and how in such a short period of time, so much has changed. And I think that it, that has literally been like the ultimate thing for me, at least that's come out of COVID-19 pandemic. It's not a coincidence that we're seeing massive mobilizations and people starting to really having the time and the space to stand up for themselves in ways that we haven't witnessed sometimes for decades in certain places. And I think that it's kind of also exciting So in the midst of all that chaos, like obviously there is so much uncertainty and we don't really know what's going to happen. And so there has to be a lot of trial and error and experimentation and imagining really seriously rethinking new ways of doing things. And there are so many limitations on it, be it financial or structural within the SU, within the university and within the world just generally where I feel like we're really starting to see just our community and wider society, I guess, moving in a different direction, which is also really exciting. So yeah, I just kind of wanted to end it on, end it on a bit more of a positive note, I guess. Yeah, I definitely hear what you're saying. And I think all of us are kind of at a point where this, although it has been chaotic and stressful, I think we've all had to rethink what actually we would need to be doing and what actually we can do meaningfully this year. And I do agree that 
there's a sense of clarity in the sense that we now know that what we would have traditionally been doing as co-presidents probably won't be able to be happening. But actually, we can get things done on a structural level for the union that other co-presidents haven't had the time or capacity to do because you're always running around and, you know, there's always other things happening. So I think, yeah, thank you very much, everyone, for those powerful statements. On to the next question. So what have you been up to this is i'm kind of giving y'all the opportunity to boost yourself you know tell the students tell the people what you've been doing or you know even if you haven't been able to achieve something you can also this is a platform for us to communicate these things to the student body so please i've been facilitating other societies in terms of getting events off the ground and into a freshers calendar we are currently looking at around 100 events which is crazy i'm just so glad that societies came through because i know it's been such a difficult year and a lot of societies just haven't continued into this year they've just like stopped and i think i'm also working on a few projects of my own so I really want to sort of create spaces where we can discuss mental health. So I currently have something scheduled in the Freshers Calendar called Dealing with Loneliness at University. And it'll be like a really intimate, honest and just raw discussion with multiple like students and alumni, both at SOAS and elsewhere, just about sort of their experience at SOAS dealing with mental health and also how they managed it, um, particularly within the realm of loneliness and I guess depression, anxiety, because they're all somewhat interlinked. And another thing that I'm quite excited to be working on is a sex and relationship series. Because again, I just sort of thought, what conversations are not happening on campus? What spaces have not really existed on campus, which we need and that all students would benefit from? Again, like similar to the mental health events that I'm going to do, mental health is never really a topic that comes up. It's sort of a topic that you have to deal with privately. And then it's only when you reach reach crisis point that you start talking to others or suddenly there's avenues for you to speak to someone. So I really want to have this conversation and create that space early on. And then for the sex and relationship series, it's sort of like, this is knowledge that we all need, you know, as young adults coming into London, moving out, exploring our bodies, exploring our sexuality. And again, the education system prior to university is virtually non-existent on sex and relationships. I think it's changing now. I'm pretty sure it's non-existent at the moment and for everyone that's coming in. So those are a few things that I'm really excited to be working on. Working with societies to also be do more collaborative events because usually it's the case at SOAS where unless you're part of a particular like social group or a particular society, you just won't know what they're what they're up to and what they're doing. So let's do like let's do some cross-cultural events. Let's do something like Korean society, ex-India society, you know? Or let's do ISOC and dance society, you know? Why not? Let's just think about how can we sort of integrate social groups and really encourage more interactions between students because again university can be quite isolating so I just really want to create spaces where you can meet and interact with as many different people as you can so yeah excited for that i don't know if they if those societies or any other societies will accept my offer but i'm going to throw it out there and encourage them to work together so excited for that and stay tuned 
Cool. Thank you for that, Hassan. And also, I would like to massively, massively congratulate Hassan for Freshers. Like, y'all don't realize, but it has been a struggle and he pulled through. He put the work in and made it so that y'all can have the best possible freshers, even though we won't be able to do it in in face-to-face. So once again, congratulations, Hassan. I'm just hoping that, like, the Zoom calls don't crash. Um, That'll be very annoying, but (laughs) worst case scenario, we will just reschedule that event. So if anything crashes, if there's any technical issues, like, don't come for us. We will try and resolve it. And worst case scenario, we will just push the event back. If there's one thing we've learned from coronavirus and this whole pandemic is adaptability, y'all. Like, we have become so good at adapting. So if there are any technical difficulties, don't you worry, we will deal with it. So, I mean, I think the only interesting thing that I can talk about now, really, is I have been doing work on adapting the consent workshops to an online format. So unfortunately, we're not able to run the consent workshops the way we would have usually, which are two-hour workshops that are mandatory for students to attend. And so instead of that, we're going to be, it's uh, a self-study that will be on Moodle, available to all. Um, They're still mandatory, so y'all still have to do them. But basically, I... I am excited about the consent workshops because we've had to adapt them from a two-hour workshop to um, an online format. From my experience of having attended meetings on meetings on meetings, it can get very jarring and very easy to stop paying attention, intentionally or unintentionally. So what the way we've decided um, to go about the consent workshops this year is they're going to be a self-study on BLE with a quiz at the end that everyone is going to have to answer because these workshops are mandatory and for good reason. The way I see it, I want these very much, I want the consent workshop to become a living entity. So I want it to be a platform where we can host events for enough is enough um, and we already have uh, subjects that are written down. What we would usually study in a workshop, we're very much open to hearing student what you guys think is missing. If you think there's something that needs to be added, if you have resources that you think would be useful to share. I want this year, I want us to encourage knowledge sharing amongst each other because it's a powerful thing. You know, we learn best from each other. Sabrina, can you go next, please? <laughs> As I said, like when I started, I do have the most kind of institutionalized role. So I, I feel like I sit in a lot of meetings with various people about like academic affairs, about education, democracy, things like that. Um, so and something that I've really been trying to change is coming out of those meetings with actual tangible actions because I find that you need these meetings and you're like okay great what do I have to do now like what is being done like we've got an issue but what is being done after that meeting to address the issue to actually tangibly change these things and have improvements and development so I think mainly it's been trying to navigate these spaces as best as possible to represent and kind of advocate and facilitate representation and kind of access to knowledge that we are very like in a very privileged position to have that access 
But in terms of something tangible right now, I think work on decolonization and getting that debate back on the table at SOAS, because in 2016, we made like great progress. It was led by a group of students who have kind of like been disempowered now because it seems so institutionalized and has really lost essence of what decolonizing SOAS started as. So getting it back on the table, understanding that we have to be decolonial in method and center the voices of those who come from diaspora communities, racialized communities, those who are most impacted and affected by the kind of decolonization narrative at SOAS. So that's kind of been at the forefront of a lot of the conversations we're having. And that's because we need this to be said. And I think in having in having like a consistent message and consistent aim and goal that underpins all the other stuff like we all led on liberation manifestos right and we ran ran on that so I think having decolonization and liberation at the heart of what we do is is necessary to kind of inform our work and lead our work going forward um but yeah other than that it's kind of just been addressing issues around mitigating circumstances no detriment policy assessment and like I was like really empowering to see um postgraduate taught students really taking um taking the torch forward in demanding more from the institution I think that's what we need to do we need to lead based on what our students want and having that kind of mobilization organization to kind of demand more from the institution and go further than what they're giving us is something we need to really learn from and so getting better circumstances and processes in place for students to get as much as they can out of the institution and out of their education and really support them and their welfare in doing that I think has been basically the stuff that's been coming up more recently since we we started in the role not overly glamorous but the job isn't and I think if it is then we're probably not doing the important stuff so yeah that's kind of been what I've been addressing it's a lot of firefighting and kind of putting out fires as they arise day to day but long term the conversations around decolonizing and liberation have really started to take shape which is really exciting I definitely resonate with a lot of what Sabrina just said and so now I'm going to ask Yasmin to chime in I think the main thing that I've kind of been working on right now is just similar to Sabrina, like getting to understand like how the school works and what are the best channels through which we can, you know, get the things that we put on our manifestos done and trying to build those relationships with all the different parts of the school. Just the creation of like a functioning system and guidance and policy around tackling and preventing SGBV cases from arising and creating that culture of zero tolerance that so many different groups at SARS have been campaigning for for a really long time. Um, it also looks like kind of really trying to engage as much as we can with students whether it's like campaign groups like individual students that are writing to us with specific concerns or uh, just kind of trying to like reach out to people that have done so much of the work that we want to continue because we also know that the only way that we can actually get structural and long-term uh, things done at SOAS is to do that collectively something like more material that I've been working on I guess is figuring out how to adapt some of the stuff that we usually do for campaigns during Freshers Week online. So we're going to have like a Freshers Fair online this year. There's going to be like a couple of different workshops that are we've already started working on with um, the campaigns officers. We're really lucky to have already, even though I'm really encouraging students to kind of rest right now and not really think too much about organizing a university. Yeah, just kind of um, listening to societies, helping them organize things. And there's some really exciting stuff in the works. And I think just paying attention to the Freshers calendar and looking at all the work that Hassan's 
been doing and just uh, familiarizing ourselves with the different parts of the school so that we actually try to have those answers as best as possible for you guys when you come to us with questions because a lot of things are changing at our university and we need to try and stay as informed as possible so we can advocate as best as we can for the things that you guys want to see happen. This next question is a little tricky and I know we've just been talking about how everything is uncertain so you don't have to give me a very clear answer maybe just talk us through your hopes and worries about term one so I'm gonna start and so the question here is can you give our students a little idea of how you see term one going so to be honest I think this is a tricky one because I think we're having a hard I mean at least I am having a hard time planning what's going to be happening in two weeks because things change term one will be online that's what it seems like is going to happen when what I think is going to happen. And I think that's not the greatest thing, but we can make it something great and we can adapt it. So it's something great. I think one really, one advantage of being entirely online is that we're able to connect people a lot easier through, you know, Zoom calls, social media, stuff like that. And we're able to do things that we may not have been able to do before because of lack of resources. For me, a successful term one is a term where we've been able to support those students who are the most affected by this whole world situation. So, you know, those who are affected by digital poverty, who are not able to, who don't have proper study spaces in their home, those who are made, who are in households who are not safe for them. If we're able to support those students through this term, I think that would be a win for me. And also the way I see term one going, I think it's going to be a lot more of, at least for me, structural changes. So for example, something that has been in the works for a couple years and that was pushed by students is the SGBB policy at SOAS, which is very, very problematic. So hopefully we'll have a new one soon. But I think we're working on an agreement with the school, preparing for the arrival of Adam Habib, the new director of SOAS, I think it's director or dean or, yeah, Adam, preparing for his arrival. And I think, and then also, you know, making sure that, you know, the classes that y'all are being taught are actually, that you're in safe spaces, that you're able to learn the way you would have learned in class. And okay, Sabrina? It's safe to say that term one isn't going to physically or visually look like what it has in the past so we're obviously not going to have such open access to campus space and stuff like that and I think any space that we do have on campus should be prioritized to those like you said Rosa who don't have access to safe learning environments who don't have access to stable wi-fi connection to kind of digital technology things like that so I think that should be a priority and hopefully will be going forward and that's conversations we're having with those people within the school that kind of can assist with that term one I think is just going to be a matter of learning I think we are learning just as much as everyone else is about how to deal with access to campus access to resources online learning staff are, like it's a brand new thing for them right like as soon as we went into lockdown and shut campus they needed to know how to deliver teaching content online and then that raises the question of well all these students who needed online content why didn't it happen before this why did it take a global pandemic for us to make learning and education more accessible for those who needed it 
who can access campus necessarily, but we also need to understand that digital poverty is real, like you said, Rosa, and we need to be having these conversations and ensuring that we're action-based and not kind of just lip service where we're, oh yeah, we we addressed it. That means we're fine, right? So I think term one is going to be a real learning curve, but I think the more that we communicate with each other, the more that you as students reach out and tell us what you need, then we will adapt accordingly. And I think that's the most important thing. That's all we can do with the kind of resources that we have, because we're not in the office either, right? We didn't envisage our term looking like this. We wanted to be like as physically an effective presence on campus, as well as kind of all the other nitty gritty stuff that we do. So yeah, I feel like it's just going to be a space for learning. And like, I think we need to view making mistakes as like growth. And I think while we need to address harm that might have been done as a result of mistakes made, we are also learning, like we have very much been thrown into this role and just want to do as best as we can by you as students, because that's what we're here for. So we need to allow for growth and learning and development. And that's as a union as a whole, because there's a lot of union development that needs to be done in terms of the structures, the trustees, things like that, all the kind of bureaucratic stuff that we need to really reform and do better with, as well as um, as individuals and as like like fellow colleagues with you guys. Um, so yeah, that's how I envisage term one going. So what can we expect from term one? So everything is going to be online. That's how we've currently um that's what we're currently planning for. That's why we're sort of like building up our experience with like online platforms, um, such as Zoom, Teams, Collaborate, so we can try and do what we would have done in person. So like panel discussions, workshops, just in a virtual setting. In terms of, is this going to be online forever? So we're currently in discussion with the school to have some exemptions for certain societies, for example, like sports clubs, liberation groups, and also like societies that literally cannot function like just solely virtually. So like dance groups, music groups, ideally like we do, yes, we're prioritizing health and safety, but also well-being and mental health is part of that. So again, it's just about striking that balance. We don't want to sort of like go to the extreme, which is like take the mickey. So we have to be very cautious about, okay, what are we saying yes to? What are we saying no to? We're still having those discussions. But as of now, from now until October, we're looking at everything online and then it will be reviewed on a monthly basis. And we will also try and push for the bar and the SOA shop to be reopened. Because again, they're such integral parts of the student union. So again, there's still uncertainty. We have a vision. We're working with the school to sort of see how far we can actually bring that vision into reality, depending on COVID guidelines, government guidelines, university guidelines. So again, there's lots of different factors in play, but just know that your well-being is our priority and we want to protect you. Uh, so like safety is paramount. And again, we're trying to find that balance. We're working on it. As of now, term one, just expect the majority of things to be online. Great. Yasmin, it's your turn now. Yeah, I feel like um, most of the stuff was covered by um, Sabrina and hasn't you, Rose, already. But I guess um, maybe particularly to the things that like I'm kind of taking the lead on, this year is definitely going to be like so different and so challenging for a university. And um, we obviously need to make sure that like 
students' interest is always taken into account in everything that we do. And I think we need to broaden the way that we collect feedback and the way that we engage in consultation with students. I think we need to like re-examine what our accountability to the students looks like in the student union, but also how the university is held accountable. And I think a lot of that carries on from the issues from last year where there was like a lack of accountability and a lack of transparency and these things are thrown around, but they're really important in order for the school to continue to be viable, basically. That's the bottom line. And I think that really looks like at the minute in term one, going back to the roots, like really like Sabrina was talking about, like really opening up the conversation about decolonization again, but do it really critically and do it um, really inclusively and making sure that knowledge isn't being assumed and new students that are coming in are being welcomed into spaces. Because I think there can also be kind of like a hierarchy where you have to pretend like you know things in order to access certain spaces where knowledge is shared. And I think that also looks like um, going back and thinking critically about what has the marketization of higher education caused, what are the consequences of that, and really engaging in that political education. And I really don't think that this necessarily means that previously really vibrant and active groups on campus are just going to die down. I think it just means that we're going to think about different ways of creating that vibrancy and in certain ways it will be more accessible to people that previously found it like hostile um, and and unaccessible in, I don't know, the JCR like student spaces in general. So there's a chance to reimagine and do those things differently. And that's really exciting. But yeah, I think our priority is will always be making sure that we can carry out our activities as safely as possible where students' health is prioritized. um, And that obviously includes their mental health as well. And Obviously, all of us work together in everything. So we're supporting Sabrina with the work on um, making sure that education and like formal education in the classroom is accessible this year. Yeah, we just all work together and hopefully it's a team effort to make this year um, successful. Great. Okay, so that brings us to an end. Okay, thank you very, very much, everybody, for all of this. Thank you especially to... That is about all. We will. I will hopefully be hosting these podcasts regularly. I'm thinking maybe next time we can talk about decolonization and what that means. So demystifying decolon- decolonization. So if anybody has any questions, please drop them in my email, uh, ra61 at soaz.ac.uk. Maybe we'll set up a system for questions. Who knows? Again, this is soaz. You know, we like to improvise. So yeah, thank you everybody. Thank you Hassan, thank you Fred, thank you Sabrina and thank you Yasmin. Thank you Rosa, thank you everyone. This has been great. Thank you. Bye everyone. Bye.